Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome Lee Saunders, president of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, AFL-CIO, 1.4 million members. And thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to be with us. You know, I'm, I'm going to ask a question that should be easy for you, but for young folk listening who may or may not be members of unions, but their parents and grandparents might be, what is the significance, the importance of having, having labor unions? Well, it, it, it's so important, and I'll just speak very personally, Joe, and, and first of all, uh, hello, my good friend uh, and fellow Buckeye. Um, I just want to speak personally uh, about uh, me growing up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, my dad was a city bus driver. Uh, he was a union member within the Amalgamated Transit Union. Uh, he was also a, sh- a steward, very active in his union. Uh, my mother was a community organizer uh, in, uh, in Cleveland, uh, and they really taught my brother and me the importance of solidarity, the importance of making your voices heard, the importance of fighting uh, for what you believed in every single day. And that's exactly what unions do, uh, not only for our members, but for working families across the country where we, uh, you know, we, we help uh, support to increase wages and benefits, safety and health on the job, uh, promote worker uh, worker activities uh, to promote uh, uh, workers being treated fairly and having a seat at the table. Uh, and that's what we continue to do every single day. And I've got to tell you, if it wasn't for uh, my folks uh, 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 doing the kind of things they did for me uh, and my brother uh, and my dad having a, a decent union job that uh, uh, provided the food on the table and uh, sent me to school, uh, then I don't know uh, what would have happened. Uh, and I carry that. Uh, I carry that with me every single day, uh, the importance of, of what unions mean uh, to working families all across the United States. And, and let's take your union, uh, where 1.4 million members, 1.4 plus million members. Uh, what was it like for uh, state, county, federal, municipal employees before the um, uh, before your union was formed, because and the reason I bring this up, I think people think that government workers have it made. Why would they need a union? You, uh, what was it like before they organized? Well, it was uh, we had to fight and uh, we had uh, to struggle and uh, we had no seat at the table where we could talk about the issues. Uh, that confronted our numbers and confronted their families. Uh, and we had to, to fight every single day, state by state, city by city, uh, to gain collective bargaining for public sector workers. And, in, and we aren't in the private sector, so we are not covered under the National Labor Relations Act. We don't have a federal law. We're, we're trying to move one now because we have a friendly administration, but we don't have a federal law which says that public sector workers have the right to organize and have that seat at the table where they can bargain collectively. We don't have that right now. We have to do it state by state and local by local, uh, city by city and county by county, school district by school district. So 
uh, it's been extremely important in those areas where we have been able to organize. And we're a big union, 1.4 million people, as you said. Well, we've been able to organize. We brought a, uh, a solid quality of life uh, for our members. They do have that seat at the table where the boss just can't dictate to them what's going to happen without getting uh, information back. And uh, our members providing what their thinking is on certain subjects, uh, increased levels of pay, increased benefits, safety and health provisions, retirement security, all those kinds of things have come through collective bargaining. Uh, I don't have to tell you this story because you know it very, very well. Uh, in 1968, when 1,300 sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee, decided that they needed a union, uh, and they formed the local 1733 of AFSCME uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, and the boss would not recognize them. The city would not recognize them. And they essentially went on strike because they couldn't get that seat at the table. The boss would not sit down and talk to them about wages and safety conditions and working conditions. Uh, and Dr. King traveled to Memphis because he understood the connection between civil rights and labor rights and economic rights. All those are linked. And he supported that strike and ultimately gave his life when he was in Memphis supporting those 1,300 sanitation workers. It has been a fight. It's been a struggle. Uh, but we continue to move and we're continuing to organize across the country. Uh, and we're doing some great things uh, with, uh, with public service workers, with nonprofit workers, as far as getting that seat, having them have that seat at the table uh, so they can, stay, they can have some control over their lives. Mm -hmm. And as you point out, uh, Lee, uh, if, if you, with the union, you, the, he, a, a mayor, uh, a governor, whatever, cannot ignore uh, a union. You just, you just can't do it. I mean, you can ignore individuals, and that's what happened in Memphis for, for, for years. And I should also point out, just so people also understand, uh, ask me, American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees, um, you, you also represent different occupations, am I right, like nurses, correction officers? Every public service job uh, that uh, exists in this country, uh, we represent those kinds of classifications. In the nonprofit sector, with those who provide public services, what can, we consider to be public services, we represent folks like that. So you look at health care, uh, you look at sanitation, uh, you look at uh, cafeteria workers, you look at uh, uh, child care, home care, uh, daycare, uh, you look at uh, uh, people who provide those unemployment checks uh, to individuals that are uh, collecting unemployment insurance, highway workers, uh, public safety, all of those areas and all of those occupations we represent across the country. Uh, can I go back to something you said in reference your childhood growing up uh, in, in Ohio, uh, and you talked about what, you know, the importance of of uh, issues that uh, unions would discuss. And I don't think people think about this. Union, and correct me if I'm wrong, but union halls, because I remember growing up in Dayton, Ohio, uh, when, I, when I say union halls, you know the first thing that comes to my mind? This is where the kids used to have dances. We used to have dances at union halls, but I, I don't want to get stuck on that. But this is where... We also, I remember, as a community, as I got older and more political, 
where the community league could come to a single location, which was usually a union hall, and discuss issues that weren't always union issues. And when I think about today, other than a church, um, maybe a church lower level or basement, I don't know where community people gather. But it used to be union halls, right? You're, you're exactly right. I mean, that would be the focal point of our communities across the country, where not only union members would come and talk about what's happening on the job, but there would be activities held for the community where community members would come in and relate to the union members, or they would have uh, different kinds of events uh, within those union halls. And obviously, we're still trying to do that. Now, it's been real difficult uh, because of the virus, and we've had to slow down and, and stop that kind of contact. But we really are. The point is that we really are a part of the community, and our members are a part of the community. Uh, they are not only union members, but they're active uh, in within their community, and uh, their children uh, live in those communities. So we really are the uh, the backbone, and uh, we provide that kind of support for all community members. And I think that's extremely important. And and you know this, Joe. I mean, we've got to get back to community uh, where we can relate to one another, where people yeah. see that we're working closely together with one another on the issues that we care about. And it's just not the union movement that does that, but it's other organizations and coalition partners. But we've got to come together like never before with the challenges that confront us today. Uh, we've got to come together like never before uh, and develop plans and programs and work together. Uh, to move uh, our communities forward and to move this country forward. And and it really does begin on the local level. Now, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you to talk to us about the that Congress is working on a bill protecting the Right to Organize Act. What is that about? Well, uh, we call it the PRO Act. It uh, has been voted out of the House. Now the Senate uh, is going to be considering it. And what this essentially does is it provides a level playing field for, for private sector workers to form a union and to collective bargaining. And right now, I mean, and you see it, you read about it every single day, when there is a, an organizing campaign going on in the private sector, uh, the employer will fight it. Every possible way they will fight it because they don't want to see those workers organized. They don't want those workers and their employees to have a seat at the table. And so the PRO Act levels the playing field. Uh, and we are urging uh, the Senate, uh, and we're getting, the, uh, you know, getting support, support from uh, our friends in the Senate to move this, because it provides the ability for workers to make the decision themselves, make the decision themselves to whether— as, to, as far as whether or not they want to be a part of a union or not. Uh, and I think that's very important. Now, on, the, on the, the second thing that we're doing, and because we talked about this earlier, in the public sector, we don't have a federal law. So we are mirror, mirroring the uh, PRO Act with our own public sector uh, Freedom to Negotiate Act. Uh, and we are collecting signatures in the House right now. We expect that it will pass in the House. And then we will have two bills in the Senate, one covering private sector workers, 
providing them the rights that they deserve uh, as employees to have the seat at the table. But it will also do the same. Our bill would also do the same for public sector workers, providing a framework uh, for public employees to negotiate uh, and to be able to organize without intimidation. So those are going to be two extremely important pieces of legislation that uh, uh, that uh, we're going to uh, push as hard as we possibly can. And our community partners and our coalition partners are doing the same thing. Um, uh, if you could, uh, again, it, talk to this, uh, this generational gap, um, and that is, uh, look, you learned about unions. You benefited as a child, as an adolescent, a young adult from unions because your parents, your father, uh, they were union. My father, UAW. I mean, you you just didn't think that there was a problem if you grew up in a union family. A lot of young people, there's a generation gap there. There's a chasm. They don't really understand why unions are important to their generation. How do you address that issue? Well, a, a little bit of that is our fault, to be quite honest with you, because we have not reached out in the way that we should and talked to young people, uh, talk to those living in our communities about the importance of unions. And it's not just for someone else. Uh, when unions are strong, our communities are strong. And we've got to relay that, and we've got to talk about it every single day. So we've got to develop programs, I believe, uh, to uh, bring in young people, whether they're going to be uh, working in the public service and there's a possibility for them to, uh, to join a union or in the private sector to vote for a union. We've got to talk about the link and the important link between what unions have done and what we can continue to do, but we need help and we need support. And if we can organize, if we can grow our movement in both the private and public sector, uh, and that includes obviously organizing young people when they're coming into the workforce, but it also includes educating them when they're in uh, schools, okay, mm -hmm. uh, if they're going to community college or colleges, talking about the importance of unions in our, commu in our communities across the country. Then uh, we've got, we go a long way, I, I think, as far as educating and people understanding that, wait a minute, these benefits and the life that we've had if we're a, a you know, member of a union family, it just didn't fall from the sky. It came because people struggled and they fought and in some cases died for the right to organize. And we've got to get that story across. Nobody is going to give you anything for free. I mean, you've got to, you've got to be strong enough to demand it and strong enough to take it, and strong enough to say this must be done for the benefit of working people all across the country who are providing essential services day in and day out to the citizens of America. Lee Saunders, would I be wrong if I said to some young people and others that whether you, if you're not a member of the union and you have hospitalization, you have... Uh, time off, you have this benefit or that benefit, it is primarily because of unions. There's no question about it. Even if you are not a union member, member because yes. we have been able to negotiate, those individuals not in unions have been able to reap the benefits of better working conditions, 
of higher wages, of benefits, of retirement security, okay? Because, because that just has happened. It's moved from uh, the organized sector, and then employers have said, well, we've got to keep up. Uh, we've got to keep up, and we've got to provide the same level of pay and the same level of benefits. So there is a direct correlation uh, between what unions have done as far as negotiating for their members and the impact, the positive impact that that has had on folks who are not members of unions. They also receive those kinds of benefits based upon what we have been able to do. Now, Labor Day, of course, we often think of Labor Day parades, picnics, barbecues. Um, and I know this may seem like a simple question for the president of, uh, of ASME, AFL-CIO. Uh, what are your plans for Labor Day? What do you, and what do you want people to do and think as it relates to Labor Day? Well, I want people to reflect on the fact that um, uh, this is an important day without the labor movement. I mean, and this is no BS. Without the labor movement, we wouldn't have a weekend. We wouldn't have paid sick leave. We wouldn't have retirement security and other kinds of benefits. We wouldn't have decent wages. So whatever you're doing on Monday, people should reflect on the importance of this being a worker's day where people have, uh, have formed together and have organized together and mobilized together uh, to ensure that they are treated fairly on the job. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. We're going to be carrying that message, and I'm going to be doing interviews similar to uh, the interview that I'm having with you, Joe, on Monday. Uh, I'm going to be with my family. Uh, <laughs> I haven't had a lot of time to spend with my family, so I've got three young grandkids now, so I'm going to be uh, uh, enjoying my day with them. Uh, but let me tell you something. I mean, the word is going to get out. And we believe that this is the right time. We have a friendly administration who believes in unions, meaning uh, the Biden administration. He is trying to push for programs supporting working families, whether you're in a union or not. You have an an increase in organizing among many unions. We have organized over 50,000 new members within the last couple of years. We're going to continue to do that. So this is our time, we believe, and this is our place. We've just got to roll up our sleeves and get the job done. And finally, uh, about a minute and a half left, um, you, you've got a new face at the AFL-CIO. I, I think the last time I talked to you, I said, boy, they have come a long way, have they not, in terms of leadership positions? Liz Schuler is the first woman president uh, of the AFL-CIO. She comes out of the IBEW. And then we have a very, very, very good friend uh, who is now the secretary treasurer. Can, I, mean, can, can, I mean, just think about this. Just think about it being the, the secretary treasurer, an African-American being the secretary treasurer of the AFL-CIO. So with Liz and Fred uh, uh, at the helm of the AFL-CIO, um, I think we're going to do some great things. And uh, we're going to come together. Uh, we're going to continue to do what we do best, but we're going to continue to think outside the box and bring in our community partners uh, and talk about what we must do. You and I were at a, a big rally on Saturday uh, in support of voting rights. That's a major issue 
major issue for the labor movement. And we want to coalesce with our friends, and we put, want to put as much heat on those who are trying to take voting rights away from us. Our, our democracy is under attack right now, and the labor movement is going to play a pivotal role with Liz and Fred Redmond being at the, at the head of the AFL-CIO and us working together in coalition with our partners across the country, we're going to have to take these battles on. And if we do it the right way, we can win. Well, I've never known a you know, fellow Ohioan to be so modest, but the reality is that uh, uh, Lee, <laughs> Lee Saunders is also the first African-American to serve as president of AFME and you know what, uh, you've taken it, taken them to a different height, and your leadership has been significant. And uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I think this message is important. And, Fred, look forward to seeing you on the road and any place else that we need to be to, uh, to fight for organized labor. Thank you so much, and have a, a great Joe, day. Bring- been great talking to you, and uh, be well and be safe, and we'll be talking again soon. Promise. We'll continue here, ladies and gentlemen, with Madison the Black Eagle on Sirius XM Urban View. I am very glad to say welcome President Schuler to the Madison Show. Elizabeth Schuler, President, 56 unions, 12.5 million members of the AFL-CIO, and congratulations on this new assignment. Glad to have you with us. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Um, let's, what is, what's labor's biggest challenge as we uh, commemorate Labor Day? And, and I know it's barbecues and picnics and being with family, uh, but I talked to one of your presidents, um, Lee, uh, Saunders, who pointed out that, you know, we ought to reflect on just how important labor is to our society. What, what, uh, uh, President Schuler, what's your biggest challenge? Well, Joe, I think it is the economy. And as we've struggled to get through this pandemic and really even before the pandemic, the economic system was broken. And most working people were barely able to get by. And we saw the cracks in our social safety net, um, you know, the struggles with safety and health through the pandemic, and workers really, you know, having no voice in the workplace. And so I think what we're looking at now is we have a real opportunity um, for working people who are standing up, they're demanding change in their workplaces, they're fed up with this broken economic system, and we see the pathway to improving workers' lives running right through the labor movement. Um, And you probably saw there's some new numbers that came out yesterday. The latest Gallup poll has uh, public approval of unions at 68%. So that's why that support is so high, right, because people see unions as a solution to leveling the playing field for them. Your message is, is is finally getting through. I mean, I grew up with uh, parents that were union members. I'm a uh, what uh, uh, with uh, SAG and uh, AFTRA and 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 and. But it, young you, you, this this uh, poll that we saw does that reflect 
uh, this younger generation that now maybe didn't grow up with union parents. Uh, they, you know, that message is finally getting through, it sounds like. You're, yes, you're absolutely right. And in fact, in that Gallup poll, out of that 68% that approve, 77% of millennials approve. So young people absolutely are seeing the value of unions as they've grown up in this economic system that has not worked for them. Most young people, most people in the economy today are not able to get by on just one job. They're working two, three jobs, right, with the um, lack of health care and benefits and um, security that we've seen even before the pandemic. So young people see the value. They know the power of coming together collectively as a generation. They're they're more inclined to actually act as uh, collaborative uh, workers in a workplace. They see the value of making their voices more powerful by coming together. And that's exactly what unions do. I think people often uh, have an outdated perception of what unions are that we perhaps were needed at one time, but not anymore. But that is not the case, as you've seen over and over again, where working people who want to speak out in their workplaces are afraid because they know they'll get fired if they you know, raise a concern about a health and safety, um, you know, the lack of personal protective equipment, for example, in their workplace or a ventilation system that might not be working. No one wants to speak up because they, they have this fear of, of being disciplined or being fired. But if you have a union there, you're together with your coworkers, you're more powerful, your voice is stronger, and you have the law on your side. And so you have the union there to protect you. Well, now let's talk about the law. Um, I know that there is some legislation that um, may help uh, workers organize, uh, and you have something going for you, do you not, uh, President Schuler? You've le- it appears you've got a union-friendly administration. Obviously, uh, uh, the the House and at least half of the Senate seems to be pro-union. Uh, is there legislation on that is being proposed that my listeners can support? Absolutely, and you're you're right. We have a pro worker president, vice president, and Congress. We have the chance to get a lot done for working people. And the top of that list is a bill called the Pro Act. And it's a huge priority for the labor movement, and we, re, working people all across this economy, not just union members, need this bill. And here's why: um, you know, we talked about the the broken economic system. We talked about the fact that people have to work more than one job just to get by. What I didn't mention is CEOs are now earning 299 times the average worker. So the 299 to 1 ratio, which seems completely out of whack, especially when you look at what um, the ratio is in other countries. And we have this um, support among the public. So everything is lined up, and the PRO Act is a piece of legislation that would make it easier for people to form unions in their workplace. Right now, the law is broken. Corporations have gutted the uh, National Labor Relations Act over time. So the balance is tilted in favor of corporations, not in favor of workers. And so the PRO Act would restore that power, the freedom of people to come together in unions and leverage their power and make their voice more powerful and stand together collectively 
to have that protection that people need in the workplace. Well, 99 to 1. I mean, that, that nine, 299. I'm sorry. 299. 299. It's 9 amazing. 9 to yeah. 1. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. thinking, I'm thinking about when I first got into the workplace. And, you know, <laughs> my, it, I mean, it, you wouldn't even think about it. I mean, you couldn't imagine that that would be that kind of disparity uh, between the CEOs and or what we used to call the corporate suite and and the uh, mm-hmm. and the blue collar. There, there's something else I want young people to understand, and maybe uh, even uh, older folks. Most things that at this Labor Day that we that we uh, celebrate and 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 talk about, most benefits that non-union people have, what we used to call white collar. They they wouldn't have those benefits if it wasn't for labor unions, correct? Absolutely. It's that rising tide lifting all boats, as they say, when you have in a community a number of unionized workplaces that really do raise the bar. That sets a competitive, more more of a level playing field for all the other businesses and employers in the area so that all workers then benefit from that. And we often find that when we're negotiating our contracts that middle management, for example, is cheering us on because they know that if workers in the uh, bargaining unit with the, with, that's no, negotiating the contract with the union, whatever benefits they get ultimately then apply to middle management and upper mm-hmm. management. So we and are they, setting and, that and bar, by, and it impacts and, everyone. And, and, and by the way, they don't pay union dues. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I That's should, right. we, we should we should add that that they don't pay union dues. Um, and, and you, uh, the other issue you mentioned about the the um, the poll that was taken, the study about how the, the recognition of unions is is, is being uh, uh, looked at favorably than it has in in past years. What are your plans to attract? Do you have programs? Avail, uh, that you're thinking about to attract particularly younger people. Yes, and in fact, as I said, the number for millennials was really surprising, and it increased even above last year in terms of the popularity of unions among young people. And we're seeing organizing taking place all across this country, and a lot of it is being led by young people. And just um, in recent, in the last few months, for example, um, workers in Silicon Valley at places like Google and, um, you know, digital journalists that are working on online platforms, um, a lot of them are young, and they see the power of coming together in new and different ways. Uh, we often negotiate the, the bread and butter issues like wages and benefits, but you can also use your union contract and your leverage at the bargaining table with, with a company to impact, say, the carbon footprint of, a, uh, of an employer or company, um, corporate social responsibility measures to hold the company's feet to the fire on how they're behaving, um, you know, in society. So it's a modern way of looking at how labor movements can be influenced and can really reflect the needs of the modern workforce. And I just and, see and, that growing over okay. time uh, and, as more and the new AFL, industries come on board. And the AFL-CIO is, is prepared under your leadership to invest in that effort? 
Absolutely. And I think now is the moment. And as a woman leader, I want to show the world that the labor movement is open, transparent, diverse, inclusive, particularly attracting women, people of color, young people, LGBTQ workers, immigrants. We are open for everyone, and we are working in, in you know industries all across the economy. It's not limited to any kind of specific type of work, right? And as the uh, economy grows into new and emerging types of work, we want to change and adapt and be nimble right along with it. You mentioned diversity. Uh, I've worked very closely over the years with Clayola Brown, with the April of Randolph. Norman and Norman Hill. I go back to the days of Norman Hill. Um, and then oh, yeah. and then you, you, you all made history, not only you as the uh, the first woman to head up this uh, this uh, institution, the AFL-CIO, but your secretary treasurer. Uh, so this is the first African American to be in that position. Um, it's so ex- it's so exciting. We have the most diverse leadership team in AFL CIO history, and Fred Redmond, who came on board as Secretary Treasurer, who took my position. Um, you know that was the job that I had before I ascended to the presidency. Is a storied civil and human rights leader. Uh, who comes out of the Steelworkers Union. And so he has a long track record on uh, issues of civil and human rights and organizing and bargaining the best contracts. So along with Tafari Gebre, our vice president, we have a powerhouse team here that we are so excited to show the workers of our country that we are a diverse, inclusive workforce where you know, women and people of color, we, we're going to bring them from the margins to the center, and it's a movement that's going to be in every industry um, from tech to transportation. Now, let me go, uh, close, if I can, with one uh, issue, and that is your, the, the, union's, the union's effort to union uh, Amazon workers. How is yeah. that uh, turning out? Can you talk to us about that finally? The Amazon campaign in Bessemer, Alabama, was an example of why we need the PRO Act, because we saw such animosity and discrimination, harassment coming from the company when workers were trying to exercise their freedom to come together in a union. And as you probably saw, they had all kinds of tactics that they deployed. They called workers into private meetings to harass them and discipline them afterwards. And and if they got wind of someone who might be pro-union, you know, they were basically, you know, monitored. And, you know, they used technology in the workplace. And that was what most of the workers wanted. They wanted to be treated with dignity and respect and to have decent wages and, you know, make sure that they could actually take a bathroom break without um, worrying about their productivity rates going down. So there were so many issues that caused those workers to join together and really rise up uh, and make their voices heard and, and try to make change. But it's unfortunate that our laws are so broken that the company was able to, um, you know, bear down on them and, and intimidate them and harass them. And unfortunately, uh, they weren't able to vote their union in. But that doesn't stop us, right? It was sort of the, 
opening call for uh, workers all across the country at Amazon and all kinds of workplaces to say, you know what, we're fed up, we're ready to come together and make change, and the way we do that is through a modern, inclusive labor movement. All right. We'll end it there and look forward to future discussions. Uh, Elizabeth Schuett, thank you, and once again, congratulations to you and and uh, Fred, and I look forward to future uh, conversations. Terrific. Thank you so much, and happy Labor Day. And happy Labor Day. Thank you very much. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.